How's it going, everybody? This is Martin Stokes here. And this is Dean Scurry. And I am a traveller. And I am a countryman. Welcome to A Traveller and a Countryman podcast. podcast. Welcome back. This is episode four of our podcast. So what are we going to chat about today? Uh, we're talking about entrepreneurs. Yeah, why are we talking about entrepreneurs? I don't know. It's something about um, how people take chances on certain things, like the business-wise. And then you have people who won't take chances if the thing is nothing in it for them. So if that makes any sense. It does indeed. Here's an example of an entrepreneur. Me and you recording a podcast and taking a chance on it. Yes. Because this could either be the best podcast in the world. Yes. Or not. Well, let's hope yes. And the way I think the way that we make it, the way that we're entrepreneurs is that we're taking a risk and we're putting our name on something that we have to work at, that we have to take a chance on, that we have to take a risk at, that we have to put out there. So my experience in the traveling community is from working with young lads is I'd say to them, just want to come off and do this. And their very first thing they'd say is, what? What's in it for me? Is it? What's in it for me? Or is there any money in it? Or do oh, I get paid for it? Yeah, 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 yeah. And is that just the traveling, the traveling lads? From my experience, it's just the traveling lads. So you don't get that from the set lads, do you not? Uh, not really. No, not the very first thing they say. So what would be the first thing uh, a little set lad would say? They'd say, who else is gone? What's it like? What do I have to do? Do I have to get up early? Um, normal questions, basically. Normal kind of questions. And would the little traveller lads not ask them kind of questions? But they'd well? ask me that after. They'd only have a conversation with me if I said, yes, there's money in it. And uh, what do you think of that? Well, I think that, personally, what I think, and this is what I explained back to the, the lads, you're missing out on loads of opportunities uh, if you don't take a risk yes. if you don't put yourself forward into something like I'd go up and say look we're, we're, we're doing a, a music video or something like that and they'd say straight away is there money in it and not all the time not all the projects that I do there's money in it straight away yeah so they feel like they, uh, they don't want to do nothing for nothing kind of thing yeah they don't want to do nothing for nothing but what they don't realise is there's benefits to doing things and then being paid down the line. Like, there's a thing in, in, say, entrepreneurship or business called sweat equity. It means you sweat at the start, and then you reap the rewards down the line. You know what I mean? But as a, as a young, um, as young lad, say, whatever, um, if they're not in it for the long haul, then obviously they're not thinking that way. Uh, maybe they're probably saying, look, well, I'm going to get paid for what I'm doing now, and that's how it is. Yeah, and that's an interesting point, because maybe they don't have long-term thinking. Maybe their thinking is today. Yes, that's right. And that's, some of that comes from poverty, from living in poverty. Because I've noticed that in, in, uh, in my life. Where does entrepreneurship come into working class people's lives then? Or travel yeah, people's don't lives? Forget, don't forget, not every entrepreneur starts off with no money. No, but... Some they, of them actually put money into, into something. If they're, if they're starting off something, it doesn't mean there's no money going into it. No, no, no. But initially, unless you're, uh, you've got a silver spoon up your arse, you're at the inheriting loads of money, which most working class people wouldn't have. They're starting off from scratch. Right. Yeah. Or unless they took a business off their father or, or mother or something like that. You know what I mean? Generally, they're starting off from scratch. Yeah, that's right. Most entrepreneurs. Well, mo most entrepreneurs, mean, unless they were given a silver, silver spoon. Does that mean that every entrepreneur is broke? Most of the entrepreneurs that I know would be mainly broke most of the time until something that they're doing 
uh, starts to make money. And that's built into what they do. And do you know any entrepreneurs that have made money and business has worked out for them? Absolutely, yeah, yeah, definitely. But most of most of the time, most of what they do doesn't make money. So, for instance, like just say back to the little travel lads again, right? And if the travel lads did take a chance to, at at fifteen and sixteen years old, how long would they be actually expected to be work like say literally work free before they realise something is happening here? Look, at we're going to start earning money now. Well, the main objective of, say, doing entrepreneurial stuff is not to make money. It's not to make money? No. So so what's it to do? Well, what do you think it's for? If it's, if it's anything to do with business, it's obviously trying to make money. Not necessarily, no. If you were, if you were, if you come up with an idea, right, and you either put money into it or don't put money into it, and you wanted, let's say, to work, basically, and progress, and if there's no money involved in it, where is the progression? So the progression is in... Is in the learning, is in the knowledge, is in the understanding how different systems and games and jobs work. So basically, it literally turns into an education then, doesn't it? It is an education, yeah. So most of what entrepreneurs are doing, they'll try something. If it succeeds, it succeeds. But But if it fails, they'll learn something off. That's where they learn. And that's the main reason they do what they do, is is to... uh, fail and learn, fail and learn, fail and learn. Yeah, that's very good. And tell me something. Uh, do you know if um, do you know for someone that's trying to start off a business, just say whether, yeah. whether it be big or small, and we call them again entrepreneurs, and say they need a say they need help starting off this business, if it takes money to to actually start off something, is there is there companies out there that would be involved like, and maybe reach out and sort of help them to get started and get up and running and including with advice also like yeah and so that goes sort from of showing them the ropes kind of thing from all the way from your local job center or something like that all the way up to billionaire angel investors yeah so they have the whole thing i seen um i seen um some sort of a documentary there it's a long time ago where there would like be there could be four or five people like sitting at a table basically and they call they call certain people in there for to see what kind of ideas they ha- they they would have, business ideas. Yeah. Now the people that would have the ideas generally wouldn't have, say, the money to, to sort of start it off or get it up and running. So what it was slightly like an interview, and then the, but the people that would be sitting at the tables, they'd be literally millionaires basically. Millionaires, billionaires. I think yes. I was talking about the dragons then. I'm not sure. It probably was. That's what's called a dragon's den. So you have four or five dragons sitting on their seats right. in front of these people who have started up a business and they're saying, look, I'm six months or a year or two years in business. Yeah, they explain the story kind of thing, yes. And, and then if they, if they, we call them the judges. If the judges like them then, if they take a liking or they think that the, this business could uh, could take a lift, they sort of, right, we call it one side, yeah, we're going to invest into your uh, your ideas. Yeah, or or if they like the person, they'll say, "Listen, that idea isn't the best at the moment, but you're amazing." So we can give you another idea then. Come up another so one. so, do you have anything else? Is there other ideas? So generally, uh, people invest in in people, right? Um, rather than generally just ideas, because the ideas are ten a penny. It's the people and their specific skills and way of thinking that they have. Good ones of them are rare. Especially yeah. good ones of them who aren't afraid to make mistakes. Right. 
So basically, just willing to take chances again, chance after chance. Chance after chance, because that's what... Until they sort of succeed then. Exactly, because that's where, like the whole, say, stock market, it's all about risk, taking chances, yes. and failing over and over again. Yes. Failing small little bits over and over again. Yes. Until you make big gains. Have you ever got into anything like that, say, where you sort of like to get into a business or maybe start something off and just be pushed back for for certain reasons, like? Yeah, I've done loads of bits. Like, I'd be, I'd like the experience of taking a chance. You know what I mean? But oh, not necessarily for the money, no. Not necessarily for the money. Most of the time for the experience of it and what do I learn and who do I meet and the situations I get into and the pressure that it causes inside you. Uh, because I think that, you know, the old saying, uh, pressure makes diamonds. Yes. I think if you put yourself in pressure situations sometimes, yes. you can grow from it. Yeah, trying to deal with it in that sort of a way, yes. But yeah, it's very interesting, though, isn't it? All the same. So I've done stuff over the years, set up little businesses, you know, worked with, with me brother, worked with different fellas, set up small little companies, and just chancing me arm, taking a chance. Just to see if it could work out, basically. And and what can I learn from this? Yeah. Is there something yeah, I can get into that I can learn? learn. experience can be great, there's no doubt about that. Because I think once you, once you learn uh, whatever business it might be, I think once you learn something at all, it can stay with you forever then. Yeah, now you can't eat uh, wisdom. <laughs> no, I understand that. You can't. You have to, uh, what do you call it? So you kind of have to have your basics sorted out. Yes. What What are your basics? So what I tried to do was, if I'm taking a chance on something, I live what's called like a lean existence. Very, very simple. Just keep everything really simple. No big expenses. Yeah, as in I... I don't mind taking risks, failing, learning, trying different things, having yeah. three or four different things going at once. Yes. But all the time I have my basics sort sorted out. Yeah. I was saying there earlier on about uh, sometimes it's not just about starting off something, um, as you say, not for not for to necessarily earn money, but what about the people that put money into stuff and it doesn't work out? Yeah, so they would be taking a risk as well. That's yeah. their entrepreneurs as well, but they're but just would they playing be a different already game. already classed as business people, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they'd also be like uh, investors. That's what investors do. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah. That's basically, as I said, what the stock exchange is. You're investing money in something that may or may not work. Yes. And yeah. if it does work, the Happy risk the risk has a reward. Yes. So, And that's the way that that game is. The higher the, Sometimes the higher the risk, the higher the reward. So se- let's say people who invested in... Um, Let's give an example. Uh, podcasts, right? right? For example. So podcasts is now an industry. Yes. 10, 15 years ago. It's a big thing now though, isn't it? It's the biggest thing. But it's actually interesting though. Like certain topics that people talk about. It's great to know, uh, I would say, talk about even lifestyles or, or as we talked earlier on about, say, cultures and stuff like that. So it's educating people in a, in a different sense, isn't it? Absolutely. There's nothing really you can't talk about. Yes. There's no voices really you can't hear. Right. So years ago, let's say you, when you were growing up, really the only voice that was on radio or TV was, in this country, was like middle class Irish yes. people. That's right. Absolutely. You know what I mean? If you were watching, as my man and dad called the air news at six o'clock. Yeah, that's right. It was like middle class white Irish people. Yeah. But now with podcasts... So the marginalised never got a chance to speak, basically. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So the the the, the people who owned the um, the companies weren't 
working class people. Right. People who owned the radio stations and the TV stations and yeah. the TV networks weren't working class people. And now, fast forward 30, 40 years, yeah. there's a traveller and a countryman having, having their own say what they want to talk about. Making their own podcast, which potentially, you know, if people invest in it, yes. it could turn into a business. Yeah, well, let's, let's, uh, let's hope for that, huh? Well, all we can do is take a risk. Yes. Put our name on it. Try and do quality stuff. Try yeah. and do stuff where not only uh, we find this interesting, but other people find it interesting. The reason I'm doing this is because I want to have a bit of crack. I want to have a bit of fun. I like chatting to you. I find you very interesting. Yeah. Um, and you have an interesting traveller also. Yeah, but I've, I find you interesting. As a traveller or an individual? Just as a man. Yeah. I, I just find you really interesting. I think... Um, you must be the only, the only person on the planet that finds me interesting, Dean. I don't know. I don't, Honestly, uh, I don't know about that. Like, um, Maybe you're just as stupid as I am, so that's it. Is. Maybe we are just two uh. ticks talking into <laughs> microphones here and nobody listening, but I don't think so. I think what we have to say and what we can explore between each other is yeah. really, really interesting. Yeah, well, that's good to know. Um, and I think that from my uh, observation is, over, this is episode four, you... As a fellow who's never done podcasts, you're learning real quick. You're growing. How you see this podcast is changing. So that's what I was saying about being an entrepreneur. You're learning. Yes. Well, I think anyway, for uh, doing something for the first time anyway, such as this, obviously you're not going to know it all, like straight off and jump in there and... So how is that for you as, say, as a traveller, man? Because sometimes I got the sense that... Traveller people mightn't get into something because it's too risky or they might be they might come across looking like a fool it's, if, if yeah, they're not experts yeah. at it straight away. No, it, it is a case, yeah. I have to be honest about As a traveller man, yes. Um, I would sort of... I'm not saying I'm going to get everything right, but I would sort of have to be a little bit careful about what I talk about because, um, let's say, I would like to be offending... Other travellers. I know a lot, a lot of travellers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't want to be saying things and coming across to them as if something is going to, like, uh, particular travellers or particular names or stuff like that. So I want to keep it, um, keep it as smooth as possible, to be honest about it. So that's the offending part. You don't want to say stuff that might offend people, and I understand that. That's one side of it. But the other side about it is I don't want to say things either that, um, let's say, being on this podcast this minute, right, there's probably uh, maybe a hundred people out there who's thinking, look, what's wrong with this guy? Is he, is he, uh, <laughs> like, because it's strange for travellers to do podcasts for starters, right? Yeah. Um, what's wrong with it? They could be thinking all sorts of things. Uh, is he making an idiot of himself, which maybe I probably can do at times, you know what I mean? Yeah. But that's people's way of thinking. If they want to think that way, that's fine. Um, I'm only here, as you said, for a bit of crack chat. And a laugh, if, if, if we can get a laugh over as well, I mean, it's good. But but don't, but don't sell yourself short. I think you're here for more than that. I think potentially you're here to learn, to grow, to meet people, to have conversations you wouldn't have normally. That would be, yeah, that would be interesting, without a doubt. Yes, absolutely, yeah. And, and, and I'm going to say the dirty word, maybe to make money at some point. Um, If I could make money out of it, sure, of course, I wouldn't say no, would I? I think if you could make money out of this, we've cracked part of the code that's holding not only travelling people but yeah. other marginalised people back. Uh, yeah, maybe uh, it might. you might say, it's, it's probably a silly thing to say also, it, it might give them the, the freedom of speech kind of thing. 
There you go. We allow have, them to. Apparently, we have the freedom of speech, but we don't because we don't yeah, own we don't the podcasts. It. We don't use it. We don't use it. And maybe we, we haven't used it. It's the same reason we were talking before that travelers uh, have never recorded their their voice, or not many of them have recorded their voice. They're, they're, I think sometimes, being honest about, and I'm not, and I'm not saying this doesn't come from the settler community either. Um, I think sometimes travelers are just too embarrassed to speak out. Now, as I said, I'm here sitting here doing a podcast. Traveller man and a countryman, right, here in the studio. But the thing about it is, I'm talking out now, so I sound like I'm confident and I'm not as shy to talk. But that doesn't mean every uh, every person that's going to listen to this is going to agree with what I'm saying. Uh, there's people probably agree and listen to this and say, look, what's going on with him? Is he an idiot or something? I thought he was smarter than that, or I thought this, or I thought that. Now, you might get some people to say, fair enough, look, he's a little bit of cracker and have a chat. And maybe it will progress, I don't know. Or you get the sense that, so, you, that you would focus on the people who would be saying, he's an Elijah. No, I'm not exactly focusing on that. And on the other hand, I can't stop uh, people from talking anyway, one way or another. And it's probably irrelevant to me because I don't really care what people think in, in a sense where, like, this is my business, basically, you know what I mean? And that's that's what I'm saying about the entrepreneur. I can't change people's way of thinking. Put it that way. As much as time, as much as you'd probably like to at, at times, you know what I mean. That's really down to themselves. Being honest about. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not like pointing fingers or bad mouthing anybody either, like you know. But I think it comes in all uh, in all walks of life. No matter where we come from, no matter who we are, I think there's always that negative side of life, and the negative side of life actually obviously comes from people themselves. Uh, way of thinking or maybe way of speaking or whatever like you know so let's say we had sometimes people speak freely but it mightn't always be the right uh, the right um, it mightn't always be a positive announcement absolutely yeah and part of the freedom of speech is that it doesn't always have to be positive no that's right I understand that I uh, yeah yeah, I'm going back to the same thing again basically about being a traveller yeah um, and a countryman doing a podcast just people probably just laugh it off, and there's nothing wrong with that. But I, what I was explaining to you there was that there is a lot of negative people who like to who like to speak bad. Simple as. Yeah, and and also there's a lot of people who like to go well done, lads. Absolutely, yeah, I understand keep, that. Yeah, keep that going. No, you have the you have the good, the bad, and then you have you, Dean. Sorry again. What was that? Oh. Uh, very handsome. Uh, mm-hmm. But I think it's none of our business. Whether or not somebody likes us or doesn't or not, like that's us. That's right. I know that's the point I was trying, trying to make. That, yeah. It shouldn't be really our focus. What we should focus on is what we're doing, what we want to get out of this. That's right. Uh, what we think we can learn, what we think we might be able to add to, for example, Irish society by well, having let's, conversations. Let's put it this way. People have conversations all over the world. And just because it's not recorded doesn't mean we don't make fools of ourselves. Yeah, it's times you can have conversations. We could be anywhere. It could be in a pub, or it could be, could be at home, or it could be out chatting the lads, or it could be another person's where you go for a visit or whatever. It doesn't make it. A, it doesn't make the conversation any better or any worse, because that doesn't mean we're going to have a straightforward conversation, and every little word we say is going to be perfect. Without a doubt, I don't think there's anybody out there that can have conversations like that, unless you're sitting. And you're just listening, and you get the odd word in there, and you have loads of time to think about what words you want to say, what you don't want to say. So you try to 
naturally you try to make yourself look less stupid as possible, I suppose, in that sense. Yeah, or if you're reading it off a script. Well, yes, but we're not doing that now, so... Uh, so, one of the well, things... We are trying to, <laughs> to, to make fools of ourselves. Yeah, and that's part of the game. That's part I'm, of the game. I'm okay with that. We'll say random stuff. We'll say stuff that we mightn't fully have thought out or uh, discussed with each other. Or we, we might say stuff that offends people. We might use words that people go, oh, hold on a minute. Why are you using the word country man? Why aren't you saying country person? Uh, the countryman comes in because I, I, that's how I, uh, I see you as a countryman. But I'm just using that as an example. There's, there's people can take offence, uh, in to literally in, anything, in, in anything. So it's none of our business. Let so them basically let, let what them we're take their offence. What we're saying here is we can't keep everybody happy. Is that it? No, I think the only people we need to keep happy in this is the traveller and the countryman. Yes. And also, the other thing is, we can't stop people from talking, no matter what we say or do. No, we can't stop people from, from coming up to us every day on the street and going, listen, lads, see that thing you are doing there, that little podcast? That's the best thing I've ever heard in my life. Keep it going. And and, voice, and just uh, the same as that, if another person came up and going, see that thing that you are doing there? That's the biggest load of rubbish yeah, I've yeah. ever heard. And uh, what are you doing? Yeah, like? but they're, they're, uh, they're entitled to voice their opinions. Like, there should be no offence taken from that if someone did approach and say, look, at us, that's a lot of rubbish you're talking up there. Fine, that's okay. We won't take offence, all right? I don't know if you could take a slagging, like. I can take a slagging, yeah. <laughs> I'm well used to getting slagged, believe me. I'm well used to getting offended, insulted, and everything, you name it. I just want, I want to call it, I let it go over my head uh, nine times out of ten. It's like a... That's uh, not bad counting, is like it? like water off a duck's back, is it? That's what they say, yeah. Uh, water off the duck's back. So that's... But going back so to if entrepreneur... You, if, you, if you give heed to everything that people say about you every day, you'll be fighting, wouldn't you? So that's the thing about you'll an entrepreneur. An entrepreneur does stuff, and if it doesn't work, it's water off a duck's back. Yes, absolutely. It's like Ronnie O'Sullivan taking a shot in the snooker. Sure, if he misses it, you always take the next shot. You come back again, yeah, that's right. And all you need to do is turn up and take your shot, and eventually you'll get paid for it. Yeah, hopefully, yeah. But anyway, for the time being, we're having a chat and we're, uh, just as the fella said, tagging along, yeah? Yeah, and spitballing, we'll do our just, best. just having the crack, Yeah, uh, finding out each other's, um, you know, likes and dislikes, the things that we understand, we don't understand, exploring stuff, uh, helping people, one, listen to my accent on a podcast, because there's not many people. And two. With a big, thick Dublin accent uh, on I was going to say two. Try to understand my accent. <laughs> <laughs> I think you, I think you speak relatively clearly. Do you, you know think what I mean? so? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I don't know. Back, you said before about people not wanting to hear their voices. Yeah, it actually is strange when you hear your voice sort of played back to you. Yeah, when you've heard like episode one, are, two, and three. Yeah, but everybody probably feels the same way, do they? Well, maybe a lot of people anyway. Well, one of the reasons is when you hear your voice, you're hearing it from inside your head. Yes. Naturally, yes. But when it's played back to it, you're hearing it from a speaker, yeah, which is outside your head. Obviously, different sound, like, and it's just it? different sound. So basically, at that stage, you're talking to yourself. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I think there's a lot to be gained. For example, people in the traveling community, yes, taking a risk in stuff, putting their name on stuff that mightn't be paid that day or that week or that year. Yes. And I think that, like, you were taking a risk on this. You own this podcast now. Yes, so it's like it's like fifty years ago where you would have owned a radio station or owned a newspaper. Yes, you're the boss here. It's very interesting, though, isn't it? Isn't it? It's yeah. a, it's just a different way of looking at it. Yeah, I I would imagine all your life you haven't owned much other than 
uh, your family and possibly the, the, the trailer or the caravan. Well, you're right about that. I'm poor all my life. Yeah. I'm used to it now. There's no more effect. But you haven't owned your own business. Uh, not really, no. I would imagine you don't know many travellers that do own their own businesses. Um, there's No, there's not a big lot of travellers that I know that owns their own businesses. But I do know there is uh, there is some travellers out there There is like, uh, you might call it some good businessmen like. Absolutely, yeah. Um, it mightn't be, their business mightn't be established, if you know what I mean. Yeah, go on. But it doesn't mean they're not good businessmen. Yes, very there's good. Some, I, find, I find I find some some traveling people. I told you uh, early on when I met you. I told you a story of when I was down in Bally Shannon. I think it is. Oh yes. Is that where Rory Gallagher's from? Right, Bally Shannon. And there was uh, we were in the back of a van, and a, an older traveler fella came up to us, and he tried to sell us a watch. Right. But yes. the way he sold the watch to us was he asked us tr- three, maybe four questions, but he asked the questions in a way that it was like uh, rhetorical where the answer was yes you know like do you like telling the time yeah, yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean <laughs> one, yes. do you like that watch that was a good start wasn't it do you know what I mean yeah do you like that watch yes. and I'd say yeah and so so I'd, ask, I'd say yes and the next question yes and by the fourth question it was do you want to give me a hundred quid for it? And you yes. have to say yes. yes. I like that. I so he's kind of priming you in business. Yeah. In business, that's called. So he priming never told you he was selling it. Yeah, he he got you to like it. He first. got you to say yes four times, and then he told you it's for sale. <laughs> he didn't even like. By the time I came around to the fourth yes, I was nearly selling myself to watch. <laughs> so in business, in that entrepreneurship, is, that's called priming you. But it is good, though, isn't it? Yeah, I'm putting the word in your head. Yeah. It means it's, it means there's some smart people there, like absolutely. Like um, I think we call them chancers, but that's what an entrepreneur is. They're businessmen. Yeah, they're, they're, they're chancers, but they're businessmen. Yes, they, they'll try different ways. Like, sure. What is um, what is Coca Cola doing to you? Only putting their uh, their word in your head yes. morning, noon, and night until the fourth word that comes out of your mouth is when you say, "Do you want a drink?" Yeah, get us a Coke. Get us a Coca Cola. Because it's in head. <laughs> so I was looking at a thing today. Um, I think it was it was Elon Musk, or it was the fellow who owns Microsoft, yes. right? Or it was Microsoft themselves as a company. It was Google. That's who it was. It was Google, right? So Google are after acquiring loads of different or, or loads of other different companies. Yes, uh, like WhatsApp or whatever. I don't yeah, know if Google has right. them or Facebook has them. <gasps> so your man says to them, "What companies do you buy?" And he says, here's the way we think about it. We use the toothbrush uh, concept. And he said, what do you mean? He says, if you use it twice a day, we buy it. Do you know what I mean? So if there's something you use, like your email or your WhatsApp or your map on your you know, Google Maps or something like that. They want it. We buy it. And we turn that into a business then. Yeah, some people have great, great business minds. And that's, so that's a business, business mind. That's, that's their way of going. What are people doing every single day and they don't even realise they're doing? Yeah. Let's buy that, make it better, sell it a little bit cheaper and we'll sell much more of them all over the world. There could be opportunities like that passing us every single day and we wouldn't even... If, if you don't have the business mind for it. Yeah, now I don't know if those lads are money-orientated or money-motivated or they just like ideas and then the money is just... It comes as part of it. Yeah, but in all honesty, like the chances are they are money motivated. Like, I don't know. I think 
Some of the entrepreneurs I know are more more motivated by learning, but at certain points, their learning pays dividends. Yes. It pays off. What if these guys are already up there and are already rich in business like? Yeah, but they didn't, as we said, go back to the start. Unless they were, unless they got money from inher- inheritance or they won the lotto or they won money gambling or they have a sp- silver spoon up their arse, they started off uh, on uh, rung one or rung zero of yes. the ladder. Yes. And they took their time, they took risks, and they slowly gathered wisdom, knowledge, collateral, and, uh, and went out and tried stuff. The, the ladder thing is interesting because I think that Travelling people are on rung minus one. And that's where they come up with that idea. I'm not even going to take a chance. Just give me the money for the for the job. Yes. And th- and they'll probably, if they have that, ment- that mentality, they'll very... Un- no, be, is that it'll, just it'll the travellers that you're talking about with the young lads, basically? I think in general, it'll be unlikely with that attitude that they'll ever get off rung minus one as a group of people. But there is uh, there is some travellers now that do take chances on certain. I think there's like, individuals definitely, but as as a yeah. group of people, it's not the case. Uh, like I would know, say, let's say I know personally a hundred travellers. Yes. There's one of them, and you know this man, who takes more risks than most of those people in that group. You, do you know what I mean? Oh, the nice. majority of people in that group wouldn't take those risks. Yes, yes. Because yes. they wouldn't be in a position to. Because they're on rung minus, they're not even on, on rung zero at the bottom of the ladder. They're yes. underneath that yeah. for reasons that we've talked about before, like the Itinerancy Act in 1963, yes. because the whole thing was set up against them. So if they're if they're trying to play a game like the rest of us, take chances and make money, they've got less success because they're not taking chances, and and also because of all the other stuff that's happened to them. You know what I mean? Yeah, the yeah. laws, the legislations, the policies. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes in in life, for certain individuals, with uh, with these kind of things, they they can be keep getting pushed back all the time. So I think it it could be a, a chance also where, like you say, they've tried this, they've tried that, they've tried, they feel like they've tried everything, and then it's just give up after that. For, no, not for everybody. I'm just saying for some people. But I'm sure you get that in the settled community also. Like You do, absolutely. You get a thing, you, you like in working class communities, you, you develop a thing called like a victim mentality or something like that, a poor me. Yeah, you yeah, know yeah. what I mean? That's a bad, that's a bad way to think. It's, it, well, it's, it's not, as a strategy for survival for long term, it's not good. I don't think it's good because I, I find it then if you're, uh, you're actually, it's like you're telling yourself give up kind of thing. Yeah, because you've been pushed down. You're in the, you're in the gutter. Now, uh, there is that famous quote, we're all in the gutter, but some of us are looking at the stars. The people who are in the gutter, looking at the gutter, are kind of the ones that have given up. Uh, yeah, but sometimes um, sometimes when you think you're, uh, how would you say, when you think you're at the bottom, I think that's the time to get up and stand, try again. Ooh, that's a good one. Yeah, I think so. That's, an abs- that's a beautiful one. Yeah, rock bottom is a great place to be. Because you can't go any further there. You can't, you can't go, go any lower. further than rock bottom. Well, you have this, um, you can say things can only get better. Things can only get better, only yeah. only up the way from here. Like, when you're down and you're out, you're on your way up then from there, put it that way. Yeah. If you're willing to get to get up. Is it either, either stay down or get up? It's one or the other. What choices do you have? Only two choices. So one of the things that I've kind of learned over my years is sometimes you're free falling and you don't know what you're at and you have no aim, you have no direction. And it's not until you hit rock bottom that you have something solid to push off. Yeah, that's right. To stand up off. Yeah, there's a lot of... I don't have much good sayings now and the likes of that... Because it's the, it's the different ways that people think. 
and some of them have a good way of thinking. Like, uh, how was, as I said earlier on, things can only get better from here. I'm as low as, uh, I'm as low as I can stoop at the moment. One of the things that interests me about, say, for example, this podcast and me and you talking is that we might say stuff or come across stuff or explore in conversation things that haven't been said yeah. about working class people or traveller people in this country before and plant seeds in people's heads for them to go, you know what, I'm going to take a risk here. I'm going to take a chance here. Yeah, that's good. I, I find that interesting, all right. But sure, it'd be nice anyway, regardless of how how this goes for us, basically. It would be nice if um, if we can at least motivate one person. Well, if I'm, if, if, if I'm motivated by this, I'm happy. If you're motivated by this, I'm yes. sure you'd be happy. But if we, if, we can, if we can get one listener that can learn something from it, isn't that good also? Yeah, or, or even if they just learn... I could do that. Yeah, that's right. I, I have a voice. Well, that means they've learned something, isn't it? Yeah. Talking about, say, say travellers on and off there about about confidence and how low they can go and all this stuff. What about the people in the settled community also? Does, does this happen there as well as it does? Yeah, so I was talking there... I'm a, sure it does. I was talking there a minute ago about a working class mentality or a working class... Um, you, you know, you have kind of... Sometimes you have a victim mentality... Or you point the fingers out all the time and it's like a poor me. And that's from being kind of, you know, like the wind is in your face all the time. For example, educated middle class people, the wind to be at their back, pushing them up the hill. Yes. Working class people generally, the wind is in your face. Yes. And you're getting... Pushing your back. You're you're getting pushed back. And that over time wears you down. But it also builds up uh, resilience. Is it not a case where it can also make you stronger? That's what I'm saying. It builds up resilience. Um, and like I think sometimes I don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater and going, oh, this is unfair. I've learned so much about myself and about life and about other people from the struggle. Uh, yeah, that's right. Uh, without, without you know, moaning about it. Uh, there's a thing in, in hip hop, in rap, and it's called the struggle rap. And it's like, it was very hard and everything was hard and da 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 da. You know yeah. what I mean? But stick I think with, there's also the positive the stuff from it. Um, yeah, I understand what you're saying there. But is there any sense in having pity for yourself if something, say, right, you try to start a business? Yeah. Or you buy something or you sell something, whatever it might be. And it just doesn't work out the way that you want it to work out. Is there any sense in having pity for yourself? Because pity is not going to solve anything, is it? Yeah, but pity is a lovely place to hide. Yeah, but getting up and making change is probably a better thing to do, isn't it? But it's a bit harder. It is harder, but nothing ever comes easy. Oh, I like nothing what you've done there. ever comes. <laughs> That's very good, Martin. Very good. Yes, well, there I you have see, it. I see the little seed you planted there. Nothing ever comes easy, and that's it, no matter what we say. But what about if I want it easy? If you want it easy, it can be easy. It means you're not trying then. It means maybe you're... It's your choice and your options you want to take. Maybe you're not growing. You're just in your little comfort zone. And uh, I, I know, I don't know if you ever heard the band Pink Floyd. I heard of them, yeah. So they have a, a song called Comfortably Numb. Yes. And that their idea of that is, is that when people are kind of hurt and traumatised and broken by life... They'll just sit back into this little place where they get comfortably numb, yes. whether it's drinking or watching the football or giving out all the time. So it's it's all basically as low as they are, then it goes down lower again. Yeah, well, they just they they kind of wallow in it a little bit. Yeah, I don't think it's uh, I don't think it's a way out. Put it away. Well, I tell you what, it's common enough though. 
Oh yeah, it's happened too often. It's, it's a common it's thing. It's a common thing absolutely in, everywhere. In, in, in working class communities, in traveler communities. It's it, happening in all walks of life. It's all walks of life, yeah. Yes, because it, it could be a thing that they're telling themselves there's no more options here. But there is options. And plenty of options. No matter what uh, business you're in, or no matter what, um, say, circumstances your life is surrounding your life, there's always a way out. So... We're getting very philosophical now, right? Yes, I like that word there, but I don't understand it, but I like it. Well, we're, it's about the philosophy of how you live your life or how you see life. So there's a fella called Alexander Solzhenitsyn, I think that's how you pronounce it. And he was in Russia and he was writing this book about uh, the, the concentration camps in Russia. And he said, basically, when everything else is gone, what do you have? You know what I mean? When everything, like, so these lads were in concentration camps. They hardly had teeth, never mind. When everything else is gone, you have nothing. Well, when everything is else what is gone, saying? what do you have? And he said, um, you have, I think what he's, what the point was. You have you. We have you and you have purpose. That's and right, And your purpose yeah. is to stay alive. I think that would be the answer. Yeah, you have you, yourself, basically. Yeah. You have your so consciousness. That should be enough. Um yeah, it's, when that's and that's what that's his point. He said, uh, "I don't mean it should be enough." That's a silly sort of an answer to give in a sense where, like, uh, family or people around you, stuff like that. I don't mean it that way. I mean is, uh, you have you, which is enough to try to get started again. Do you? In other words, it is possible. There is possibilities there, life. It is possible. You have life. Yes. You have your thoughts. You have. Your head, your your thinking, your imagination, your creativity, your heart. You have memories, all these types of things. That's what he was saying. Mm. And you also have going forward. Mm. You have movement. Isn't it great the way some people think, though? Yeah, and he... he it's actually very interesting to hear uh, to hear people coming out with them sort of... They say calling comments, if you want. Yeah, and that's almost like psychology. It's, yeah, it's philosophy and the psychology of man. And there's a lot of uh, a lot of a lot of positivity there, isn't there? Yeah. So what he sussed out was even in the place where you think there's nothing, you're there and there is yeah. something. Yeah. You're there and you're breathing. You have an in breath and an out breath. Yeah. And what else do you need? Yeah. Because we we surround ourselves by a lot of stuff we think we need so we can live so comfortably he had, it was like he had a vision of himself yes he had a vision of man yeah well it was himself he was yeah. still a man but uh, it, not just him he he put he that was out talking to about everybody anybody, yes. anyone and everyone yeah 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 for all time backwards yeah. and forwards the whole lot of us so he wasn't just talking about himself then no but it, it, yeah, it, very it, good. if it was true for him it meant the same for everybody it was the same for everybody Absolutely good, yeah. So what I'm saying about, uh, for example, confidence and shame and um, the victim mentality, yes. if that's true for you and that's the way you think and that's the way you are, it's possible that we could all think like that mm. and none of us could think like that. Yeah. I don't like um, I don't like the self... Uh, I don't get me wrong when I say the self-pity. I don't like... I'm talking about strictly for myself, to be honest with you. Yeah. I don't like um, self-pity. I don't mind having pity on people, all right, depending on their circumstances or their cases or who they are, where they're from or what they're doing or how their lives are or have they fallen down, like, you know what I mean? 
I would have a lot of pity to give, all right, whether it's helpful or not. Would you have tried self-pity at all? No, I don't like self-pity. I, I never let myself How do you go. know if you had never tried it? I'm genuinely, I'm certain. Uh, how do I know? Because I try to keep myself aware of it because I know self-pity is no good to nobody. Yeah. It actually brings you down further. Where did you learn that from? From, let's say, people around me, if you want to put it that way. I've had, I've, I've had seen the odd person um, having self-pity on themselves and it becomes... Selfish. Yeah, you can wallow Whether, in it. Yeah, but now also I have to have respect for that person too because they mightn't realise they're actually throwing themselves into self-pity. Yeah, so there's a thing... Uh, they, they, they mightn't have the strength or the courage to actually not let this happen to them, if you know what I'm saying. Strength and courage is, is yeah, they're lovely things. So what, what, I, I, I know a fair few people in AA, for example... And strength and courage are the things that you kind of require to to move forward in. Let's see if I see if I see or know which I've often I've been honest, I have often seen people have having uh, self pity on themselves. Um, now, depending on for what reasons, also I feel that they have they don't have the strength to to not have the self pity on themselves. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. Do you understand? They don't have enough strength might to break silly, out of the self-pity. Yes, now that's what I'm trying to say. I sort of give themselves a kick in the arse here kind of stuff. Yeah, so maybe, and I'm, I'm going to go back to the to the rock bottom, maybe they haven't hit the point where they're, they've went, you know what, I'm done with self-pity. Because they're getting over with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's doing nothing for them. It's actually bringing them down. But bringing them it's down ho- to what? Bringing to them down. Possibly to rock bottom soon. This is what I'm trying to say. It's bring them down. It's pushing them back. It's actually, it's um, it's not allowing them to jump out of themselves, if that makes any sense. Like to so, pull themselves up by their own bootstraps. It's like, um, for instance, right, a person has self-pity on themselves. Now, I'm not trying to judge anybody here, okay? I'm just having a conversation, right? Um, From sort of my own experiences watching other people, if you know what I'm saying. Now, if they knew better they wouldn't allow themselves to have this self-pity. They'd say to themselves, look, I'm better than this. So in, so in that situation, it's the awareness of it. They mightn't have the awareness of it. So there's an argument to say it's hard to pull yourself up from your own bootstraps if you're not aware of it. That's right. Now you have it. Exactly. And, and, what, and, and where do you get the awareness from? Sometimes you get the awareness from an event, like, bang. Sometimes the awareness might come from somebody else. Yeah. Uh, another person could give them a wake up call. It could be through a little bit. It could could be through an argument. Yeah. It could be through advice. It could be through a sensible chat. Or it could be through an event. Like it somebody, somebody a, close to them has an accident or something like that. Or they have an accident. Mean, yeah. It could be. It could be through. Uh, it could be through watching or seeing somebody else. Yes. So there's loads of uh, there's loads of different, let's say, learning points if you want. Yeah. Opportunities. Or opening yeah. points. Yeah. Do you get what I'm saying? Absolutely, yeah. That's very clear. So we can't just judge the person that's having self-pity for themselves because we might be also wrong about, at the end of the day, we don't know sometimes what people are going through. And is it self-pity or is it just um, is it just hiding away? I, I would imagine, I'm going to make a bold statement here, I'd say most of the time we don't know what people are going through. That's what I'm trying to say, yes. Yeah, you said you said we, we mightn't know. I'd say most of the time... Because I think we, we give ourselves too much credit. Well, at times we probably don't know what we people don't, are going through. I'd say most through. of the times we don't know what most people are going through. Uh, what I find sometimes but, is what, that... But we lean into the judgment sometimes, you know? Yeah, we, we sort of, we're very judgmental at times, I know that. Which we shouldn't be. 
we should be more concerned than 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 than, uh, than judgmental. If a person is having all this self pity for themselves and it's not doing them any good, basically, I think sometimes it's okay to approach them with uh, how would I say not with like harsh words or with toughness. Approach them in a way where you're actually not uh, you're trying to sort of give them a wake up call here. You're letting them know, look, this is stupid. You're 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 having self pity for yourself here. There's no need to be like this. Come on, copy yourself out and get out of your boots kind of thing. I know there's a different ways of explaining that. But that's a very good way of explaining that. So, but that's kind of like So an you can be actually doing them, you can actually be doing them a favour by being more, how would I say, more straightforward, more, little bit, that little bit stricter with them. Yeah. In other words, look, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not giving you any petting or coaxing here. I'm telling you straight up, the situation is, you're just being whatever, but you're being tough on them. You're being tough. So there's a thing, but there's you a thing, know there's it's a thing for their own tough, good. There's a thing called tough love. Tough right? love. Now that's what it's called. So you're being tough on them, but you know it's for their own good. It's not for your good. It's for to better them, to make them see, because they mightn't see it. So you're at the mention of two ways of doing it. One, it sounded like you were talking about compassion, and then the other one was tough love. And I think there's an interesting balance between both of them. That's right. Where you have a bit of compassion, yeah, a bit of a bit of a cop on, yes. But you're also not afraid to be straight with somebody. Yeah, but the thing about it is, yeah, the straightness part is the best thing of all. Be straight with them, and tell them sort of what you think. And tell them also, look, you're being, whatever as I said again, you're being stupid here. Look, try to copy yourself on here. Give yourself a shake. Get out about and do whatever has to be done. That kind of sense. The chances are that they'll probably realise themselves and look, he's right. So I'm going to give here. an example of something like that. And I'm going to say stuff maybe that people haven't heard before. I was talking to a, a traveller man. Yes. And he was in a bit of a situation. He was angry and he was feeling sorry for himself. And I gave him a little bit of tough love. Yes. But at the same time, I put my arms around him and I said, come here and give me a hug. Yeah. And I've never seen this reaction from a traveller man before where he leaned into that opportunity. Yes. Rather than running for the hills. Yes. And I think that that was, he took, took courage and strength for him to do that. I've often seen people like this. And I've often been genuinely my me for for starters. Anyway, I'd uh, I'm not saying I wouldn't be feeling sorry for people, right? But what I am saying is I think at times if you if you're straight about things, it might be hurtful, but it might be the best way sometimes. In the end, it can make that person stronger. Yeah. Um. I've often been uh, how would I say sort of try to advise a certain like certain individual about it could be anything going on in their lives. I would always be that little bit stricter, bit, bit, not not strict, I'd be that little bit tough about things. For instance, right, they're doing silly things in their lives. You know it's not good for them. It's distracting their own, themselves or family around them or whatever it might be. Could be causing problems for family also. So if you can approach them in a way where you let them look at, you have to, what I'm saying is you have to be that little bit tough with them because why? You can't approach them like you're talking to a two-year-old because they'll stay at that level then. But if, you, if they're 25 or 30 or whatever age they are, and you talk to them at that age, mm-hmm. then it, it, the chances are they will straighten themselves out quicker. Yeah, and I, I think that they will, they, will get, they will get the point, they will get the meaning behind it more than if you just, you don't approach them straight. Eventually and, they'll stick on that you're concerned about them yeah, for starters. Yeah. And I think how we and know that, their own how we know that is, because when people do that to you, you go, that works. 
Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. When people approach you like that, you focus and you go, right, this person's here to tell me something. Uh, now, that's well and good, I think, when you're, let's let's use the latter example again, when you're on rung zero or rung one. But yes. when you're lower than that again, that's a very interesting place. And I I know that because I've been there. Yes. I've been in that place where I don't even want to go outside the bedroom. I don't even want to put the curtain up. And what I done then was, so see the way you're saying, I'm going to be honest to this person. I was honest to myself. Yes. At that point. Yeah. Where I wasn't even in a position to hear or listen to anyone else. And I was almost yeah. to the point where I wasn't listening to or hearing myself. Yourself, yes. And I got to a rock bottom and I went, I'm going to be honest with myself. Yes. And the honesty was, here's what I'm doing, here's what I'm afraid of, and here's the, the direction I want to go in. I'm going to dig myself out of this. I'm going to dig myself out of this. Yes, you know? that's right. And it's at yeah, that point when there's other people there to go, because people want to help you. Yeah, but don't forget, you see, you can be giving a person an explanation. Yeah. And yes, they might be down and out. And you're there to help them, obviously, right? But your, your words might ring in their minds that moment. Yeah, you saw a seed. It could be, yes, exactly. It could be an hour after, it could be a day after, it could be a week after. It could be, when these it could words be 40 be, years later. Because I remember... Uh, I wouldn't like to wait 40 years now to try No, but it. I remember my teacher, and uh, you know this guy, his name is Hugh Daly. He's from uh, St. Joseph's Primary School. And he said to me something... Was he the Gaelic player he was? He was the Gaelic teacher, yeah. He was great. He was good with travellers, you know that? Amazing. He was a great fella. Um, I actually interviewed him um, a couple of months ago for another thing that I was doing. Great fella. But he said to me at one point, now, when he when he uh, recalls the story back, it's not the same. But that's the interesting part. This is what I got out of it. What I got out of it was, he said, put your chin up, put your shoulders back and walk, walk forward. forward. That's right, yes. And that, that helped me when I was at my lowest point 40 years later. That one, so that you remember that, them words basically. I remember his sentiment, the words in it. Yeah, yeah. And 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 I, re, I also remember how it made me feel. Yes, he was great with. I remember him. He was actually great with 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 the uh, with the young lads. He used to play the. He used to teach him how to play the Gaelic. Yeah, and he had a great respect for the genuinely now with all the. He had passion. He had respect. He had he for had a straightforwardness. Now them traveling young lads now today would be in their say their 25s, 30s, the same young lads that he used to teach. Uh, now, I, he's probably going back further than that. I don't know. Yeah. But I know for sure that the young lads he would have teach back then when they would have been 12 and 13 years of age, um, and he would have, now them young lads would be in their 25s and 30 years old. Yeah. And he teached every one of them to play, I think it was Gaelic, wasn't it? But he, was, he used to put a lot of time into them, into learning them actually. It was actually great. I, I haven't seen him in a long, long time now. So what he was doing was he was putting time and energy and taking risks on people. Yes. Like an entrepreneur, going back to that again and pay, it paying off, not even for him, paying off for somebody else for them, that's down right. the line. Yes. But paying off for the wider community, for the wider society. And the strange thing is he was doing it over and over and over because why he was, he was dealing with the, the same level of classes, if you like. So basically, that class moved along next year. Then it was a different class he was to teach yeah. then. Then they moved along and he was, de- you know what I'm saying? So it was going on like that for years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there was no giving up on him, was there? 10, 11 year olds, right. Well, yeah, whatever. Right, another 10, age. 11 year olds. So there was no giving up on him in a sense where he knew, uh, well, see, he had that 
let's say he had them built up to that certain standard. Yeah. Then he knew they were going to be out of his out of his hands next year. Then he'd do the same thing with another class again, or was another group of Gaelic yeah. players, as you call it, right? So the ones he had for the time he had them, he put the effort in that he was able to do. Yeah. And he was then able to go. Right, you move on now. Yes, and do the same again. There's an interesting lesson in yeah, that. Yeah, I thought that was uh, that was fairly interesting anyway. And and I think part of it is do what you're good at. What that do you in, what do you was, enjoy and do what you're good at? That was in Saint Joseph's School. There were some great teachers in that school in Saint in Saint Joseph's. That's where I went, Saint Joseph's in uh, in Ballymun. Yeah, primary school in Ballymun. It was amazing. Really, really good teachers. Tell me something, will you? Do you know when you were in school? You're saying you were a long time ago when you were in Saint Joseph's, was it? Um, one of my 49 I think this year 40 years ago is that right 40 years ago now at that time I don't I don't know if there was travellers in them schools was there there was travellers in our school um, are you sure yeah I do, uh, yeah I do remember and they had but they had a special special traveller class so it doesn't matter what age of traveller you were yes or what year you were in yes. they were all in the one class yeah uh, that was what what would you call it that was uh, <laughs> seg- segregation, apartheid. Yeah. Yeah. It was special treatment for... It uh, was a serious lack of understanding on the headmaster's behalf. I don't think it was just him. I think nationally there was a serious... Yeah, I'll tell you a little bit about nationally now, will I? Go on. Um, so basically, anyway, that school for now now is a brilliant school now, St. Yeah. Joseph's and Ballymun. There's actually two schools. It's junior infant, it's um, senior and juniors, yeah, junior yeah. and seniors. And the teachers are brilliant with the kids. There's a lot of kids now, the traveller kids, that has learned a lot in them two schools. Well, of course, they're only babies starting off in them. Mm-hmm. And then, as of course, onto the senior side of it, the, the the kids in that age have learned a lot, every single one of the kids. Very yeah. good. Uh, the teachers are very good with them, very respectful to them, treats them absolutely with total equality. You're saying there was kids back 40 years ago in St. Joseph's School in Ballymun. Yeah, but it wasn't just in St. Joseph's School. My experience is that loads of schools around the country had what were generally called special, special classes. Special classes, that's right. It was a disgrace, absolutely. Yeah, I know that. Uh, the other thing about it was, anyway, before the travellers really started going to St. Joseph's, there was... Um, especially the travellers down from Ballymun basically yeah. they were all in like sort of scattered schools right Um, and most of all some of them more than school at all yeah because I'll tell you how I know this in, um, in on the site where we lived we're going back years and years now right there was two two buses would come in two like um, coach two coaches yeah. yeah and they'd collect the kids in the mornings and uh, one bus would bring the kids down to um, Gardner Street School. You know Gardner Street? Yeah. The big school in Gardner Street. Then the other bus would come and bring the rest of the kids to Priorswood School, Kulak. Back then, there wasn't a lot of kids from Ballymun, traveller kids from Ballymun, going to St. Joseph's School. Regardless of whatever reasons, I don't know back then. But again, yeah, we were in a in a, in a a class where there was... No, I'm not throwing the, the sympathy card here or the discrimination card, okay? Where there was all traveller kids in one class. Yeah. At the time, we probably didn't understand anything better. Well, not if you were a 10-year-old kid. Uh, well, not, probably a nine-year-old. You know what I mean? And um, again, the other thing, what, what thinking back, like, 
uh, when it came out to um, say, let's say, playtime on the, in the yards, the traveller kids. This is no lies. This is true. The traveller kids was um, allowed to go out in that yard, but only just the traveller kids. So there was a separate playtime on the yards. It, it sounds crazy now. It's almost so you were separated, not just in the yard, but you had different playtimes. Yes, one million percent. The traveller kids are out first or last or whatever. Uh, whatever. Say the settled people was out, the settled kids are first. Yeah. And then when the settled kids come in then, the traveller kids could go So out. we have different examples of that in the world. One is, for example, black children. You know what I mean? Yes. That they would have separate schools in America in, in the 50s and 60s than yes. white children. Um, or you would have in South Africa where you'd have apartheid. Yes. You'd have two groups of people who live in, the, live in the same community but are, are apart. Being honest about it, it is a disgrace. And it's a bigger disgrace to the people that made the decisions like this. Well, in any other country, we'd call that segregation or apartheid. Apartheid, yeah, that's right. In Ireland, in, uh, in the 70s and 80s... We call it discrimination, isn't we it? We just called it, that's normal. Well, yeah, we call it normal, but with the, with the word we use it would be discrimination. We didn't. We weren't using that word then. We're only using that word now. I think. Um, I think it was a lack of uh, lack of knowledge for starters, a uh, lack of understanding. There was a lot of uh, there was a lot of things lacking about the whole thing, about the whole system. Be honest about it. Was genuinely a complete disgrace. I think at I the th- time, I, I think one of the it. words I'd use is ignorance as opposed ah, to a yeah, lack of knowledge. Is, ignorance is is underestimating the. The situation, as I said, as a as a as a child, you don't you don't um, you don't pass the heat of these things. But you did have parents. We did, and I'm sure that they but, had thoughts on it. Yeah, but on the other hand, was this something that the parents were brought up to? Also, do you understand what I mean? Yeah. Was this something that they got used to? So do you understand? Or did they sense? have did they have the education or the words as a travel uh, person? I don't would think say. they had they had an education. It didn't mean that they didn't have intelligence or understanding. Do you get what I'm saying? Or could it be a case where, look, what can we do about this? There's nothing we can do about it. They told us there's nothing we can do about it. If you know what I'm saying. Yeah, and any time anytime we try and do something about it. We're getting pushed back. Yeah. it's it's a, the, or, or we're getting told, look, in law, you're not meant to be here anyway. This is how, yeah, this is how it's going to be. This is how it's meant to be. Now, as I said, I'm only thinking back, like it's a long time back. Yeah, but look, it's the same as, for example, when I was um, when I was a young fellow. So this was 1984, for example. Yes. So at what age am I? I'm 11 years of age. Uh, 10, 11 years of age, going in to see Santa Claus in Switzers um, over, in, um, over on Grafton Street of a Monday, a couple of days before Christmas. My yeah. mammy brings us all in. We go and see Santa Claus. Of the Wednesday then, I go into school and there's a priest and the head teacher and probably a guard there saying, you four boys over there, you are heading off now to this industrial school. And I was like, well, what did I do? And they were like, well, you are Mitchin. I was going, well, I wasn't Mitchin. I went to see Santa Claus. No, you were Mitchin. You're going off. So that was around the same time that you would have been in school. So there was a lot of stuff that happened like that. Like people being segregated, like traveller people, young boys and girls being sent off to different industrial schools and, 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 and such. In that school particularly, right? Yeah. Um, the teachers were very, very nice. There was a nun there 
Um, Sister Rita, her name was, and she was absolutely just tremendous. She was she's a beautiful nun. She was, she was very, yeah. very nice nun. She basically loved the travellers. This is without a doubt. So, and the teachers in the school also was very good with the travellers, right? So it would make you wonder who was making these rules. Yeah, where where was these decisions being made? Was so it being made? It wasn't the teachers. Was it the headmaster? Was it the department? Was it the minister? Uh, was it the it guards? Could be, it could be the headmaster, but is he getting told what to do also? Uh, well, yeah. So the question is, where does the book stop? Yeah, because wh- how I know how I know it wasn't the teachers. The teachers were very good in the school. Yeah, and I had a great respect for the traveller kids in the school. And then, as I said, there was a there was a nun there who was teaching traveller kids also. She was a teacher in the school, and she was very good with tra- with the travellers. And and it wasn't the case that something like this, let's say the segregation of travellers, wasn't just specific to this one school in in nineteen eighties Ballymun. This was across the board, as far as I can see, everywhere. And it, so, and there was teachers. Uh, you know, you might have been lucky enough that you had teachers up there that liked travellers, but I'm sure there were schools where they didn't like travellers as well. It's possible. I never experienced that part of it. What I am saying was, anyway, being telling the truth is, is the best policy, as the fellow would say. Um, the fact that the teachers themselves were actually nice to the kids in the in the classes, it meant he, he was telling you straight off, look at it's not the, it wasn't the teachers that was making these decisions. So that's the point I'm trying to make. Regardless of whether or not the teachers liked travellers or didn't like travellers, yes. the decision looked like it was being made at a different level. A higher level, yes. In, in You know, at a different meeting that the teachers w- were at. They were just like, look, this Getting is... Getting be- told what to do, kind This of is beyond those. We're not even making the decision here. Yeah. We're being told that this is what's going on. Well, I'll on. give you a small example of that now, will I? Go on. I had my kids going to school in a school in Roselawn in Blanchardstown, yeah? 20, 22 years ago. Now, 22 years, bear in mind, is not, it is a long time, but it's not a long time in a different sense. Well, it's 2000. It's, yeah, it, we're, it's, we're in, it's the year before we're, 9-11 we're, happened. Yeah, we're in good times, as we call it. At this, so what I mean, good times, we're not, we're not, we're not talking about 1930s or 40s. This is ancient Egypt. Exactly. Um, in 22 years ago, was back in 2000, yeah. And I had three kids going to Roselawn School. Now, Roselawn School would have been, um, you might say, an upper-class area. Yeah. Okay. Got the kids in there anyway. The bus used to come and collect them, collect the kids. Now, also, they would have collected other, like, another another 12 or 14 kids also at the same time. Like, I'm just saying 12 or 14, probably another 10 kids anyway. Yeah. Right. At the same sort of area, right? So, one morning, the kids missed the bus. And so what I decided, I decided I'm gonna look at, I'm gonna drive them up to the school altogether, as I done manage the time afterwards. Then right, because uh, only a short time in 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 the school, and when they joined the school, there was no discussion about what class they're going into, or like who their teachers' names are, or this kind of stuff, because the understanding was that the teachers, the, the headmaster, was going to deal with that, put them into the classes that they should be in. If you know what I mean? Yeah, so you you were assuming, I'm just trying to bring these kids up. The, the headmaster well, is going to do... Well, the wife would have went in and done this, uh, but that part of it like, at the time also. Well, the headmaster is going to do the best thing for these and put them in the appropriate class. Yes, that was the understanding. So anyway, this this particular morning, anyway, the bus broke down. Um, sorry, the, the bus didn't break down. The, the kids missed the bus by a few minutes. And 
of course, I brought them up to school in the car, basically. So when I arrived up to the school anyway, and I asked each of the kids, said, uh, what class, which class are you and which class are you in the street? And they said, we're all in the same class. Now, it sounds a bit slow that we wouldn't have known this, like, through asking them what class they're were in. Were all the same age? Previously, no. So, that's, was, so, I'm going back, so I'm going back to what I was saying to you. There would have been three years, uh, one, two, about three years in the difference. So that was my experience to the oldest. 20 years before that. Right. When you were in school, or when I was in school, when I was in St. Joseph's, yeah. and I was saying to you, how did your parents not know? Fast forward t- another 20 years, when yeah. you're a daddy and you've got kids, you didn't even know. No, never, never suspected it. I would have never, never suspected it. The story was, dropped the kids up to the school, and of course, walked them into the school, and asked them what class they were in. There was a door, it wasn't the main door of the school, there was a door on the side of the school leading directly into the class. So as soon as you opened this door, on the side of the school, that was their class. So you didn't walk through the corridors. You didn't walk through the main doors. Does that make sense? Yeah, they went in. They went into the service entrance. The best way of saying it, when you opened their door on the edge of the playground, you stepped into that door, you were in their class. You have the white door and the black door. They went into the black door. Well, look at the door that they, they, they stepped in was... Do you know the, what I mean? Because they used to have doors like that. Oh, yeah, I know what you're saying. You know there, what I mean? Yeah, yeah, White's yeah, yeah. in here and black's in here. But anyway, stepped in the door anyway and looked and there was about, along with the kids from, as I said, from where we were, there was about 30 kids altogether. There could be more. There was about 30 kids in this class and they were all different ages. Were they all travellers? All travellers. Wow. They were aged between, like, say, I'm just, I'm sort of guessing now back then, right? Age between probably, I'm guessing five and eight, maybe five and ten. Which would have been maybe that's three big, different that's big, years. That's a big age gap. Yeah, that's probably whatever it is, second class, third class and fourth class. Let's say you had juniors and seniors yeah. in the one class. That's All how it was. One, yeah. That's the best way of putting it. So I looked and I just said, oops, it is, here we go. <laughs> um, I called uh, the teacher in the class I asked her I said what's the story here about all these kids what do you mean she said I said all the kids are different ages I said and I said bad enough different ages different ages wasn't was a problem but it, was, it wasn't the biggest problem but well, I don't know if you noticed but they're all travellers I said um, they're all traveller kids is this the only class you have for the for for traveller kids Yes, she said, all the traveller kids, you come to this class every morning, she said. This is 20 years ago? 22 years ago. Happy days. So I said, can I speak to the headmaster, please? And she brought me down, she led me down to the headmaster. And of course, in the end, he turned out to be a nice headmaster. Again, he could have been getting told what to do. Yeah. Right, anyway, this is a different school now, 20, 22 years ago, and 20 years and more after I went to school, if you understand now. Yeah. But anyway, you would you would hope it's different. As I said, I wouldn't have entered my mind. Yeah. But anyway, I um approached the headmaster and I said, "What's the story with the kids here?" I said, "So all the traveller kids in one class, and I said all different ages." And I said, "Worse again." I said, "This is the truth." So I crayons and so I paper on top of their desks. So what's the story there? Are you saying crayons? Crayons and, uh, paper, and paper on top of the tables. I said, how were they supposed to learn anything there? Where, and where was the, there was obviously no books. Look, it just was on top of the tables. Yeah. Crayons and paper. That, this is this is genuinely no lies, right? I said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do with you, I said. I said, I'm going to be very fair to you, I said. 
He said, no, he did, he did, he blushed up a little bit, right? Because he knew he'd get a challenge here. I said, I want you to have me oldest lad, I said, the oldest, uh, basically, right? I think this, on this particular day, was of a Thursday, right? When this happened. I said, I'm giving you until Monday, I said, right, watch, to have him in a settled class. And I said, I'm giving you until the following Wednesday to have me other girl, I said, in a settled class. I did basically her age group, her age, his age, her age. And I said, my other girl, I said, I'll give you till the following. That was, that was, yeah, I gave him till Friday. I don't, I'm not going to exaggerate the story anyway. So you gave him a bit of slack anyway. I gave him a bit of time. I gave him a week. Yeah. Which was too much. I said, I'll give you till, um, anyway, I said that the following Friday, I said, I have my other girl in a class, I said, her age group, I said, but a settled class. Uh, that was Thursday, yeah. The young lad, I sent him off to school, basically. He said, I know, I told him, I said, I'll tell you what I'll do, which I'll be fair also, I said. I said, I won't tell all the parents when I go home, I said, that all their kids are stuck in one class also. I said, sort that one out yourself. I did it. But uh, anyway, by next, um, the following, uh, that was Thursday, the following uh, Friday, which was next day, when the kids came home from school, they told me um, the oldest lad was put into such a class. Very good. This was next day, honestly, yeah. no lies. And then, next Monday and next Tuesday after that, the two girls were put in settled classes. And not only that, he took more of the kids from the classes, from the, the one class, and also put them into the class with them. So basically now, my two girls had their two best friends in with them, same ages basically, and in, in the, into, into them classes with the... So now they were in a fresh class with country uh, settled uh, children, and also they had their best friends in with them as well. Lovely. So which made them feel comfortable again. That was it. I never went back around to school then. I, I don't mean I never went back around it. I never had to complain then. But the, um, job, the job was done. Within, yeah, of course. Within, um, within two weeks, he had every one of the kids in settled classes... And uh, the traveller class was completely done away with. It was no more. Within two weeks. No more apartheid. No, no more traveller class. It was completely, It was no, the class would have been in use for whatever reasons, but no, no more. And that's 22 years ago. And since that, I know a lot of kids now that still go to that school, right? It'd be relatives of mine, but to be young kids like. In uh, After that, then, same young kids and progressed very well in the line of learning. Well, they're in, they're, they're in mixing with people of different abilities, different backgrounds, yeah. different colours, uh, different shapes and sizes. They're going to learn, that's Rather it. than, right, all the travellers in there, don't care what age you are, here's a load of crayons and a load of uh, blank pages. Well, the class that were put into them would have been um, same age groups, for like you know what I'm saying. So they get all the same learnings, wouldn't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it meant good, to be honest about it. And that's, that's, that's back in 2000. Yeah, 2000, that's 22 years ago. So you probably undone that something happened. that was going on. Well, that was going on. It was going in on, schools yeah. all over Ireland Possibly. for years. Yes, and and by chance, by the bus breaking down or whatever reason, yeah. that you went. Oil, mammy, I'll take them up to school. One time or another, I would have went up there anyway, but I never suspected that all the kids at the different age groups were all stuck in one class. It was about thirty kids, believe it or not. So let's it imagine, let's imagine. Disgraceful of us. Let's imagine you don't go up. If I didn't at the time. Yeah. The kids would have, no, I'd say, see, the thing about it is, even with. Eventually the, it would have happened. It would have happened because even with the schools now, as the kids were growing up along, 
um, we sort of kept in regular touch with the schools. Yeah. Because it's nice to know how the kids are improving as well. You know what I mean? how I'm wondering, on. I'd love to know what your man is thinking or was thinking. You know, w- w- was this just policy? Oh, this is just what we do. We don't even pay any heed to it. Or was he inside going, you know what? I knew this was bleeding wrong. Um, I knew there was something up here. Yeah. Or did he see that at all? That's right. Did he see that at all? That's an interesting conversation that we'll never know. We'll never be the fly on the wall. And probably you never asked him because you were being kind of giving him a bit of grace and a bit of, you know, you were being a bit humble. Yeah, I was. I gave him him space, basically. Yeah. And he he did. He took took the the orders. Let's put it that way. And he he went and done what what was right thing. And it probably wasn't even... Like, I, knowing you a little bit, it probably wasn't even orders. I think he just put it in a way that it was undeniable. So you, you know what I mean? He's not going to be able to find a way to go, hold on a bit, Martin here. We have a traveller class and that's no, the end of it. No, there was no way out of this for him. Yeah. It wasn't going to happen any other way. Yeah. It was changed the, the circumstances and that was it. There was no other options for him. What I'm thinking is, are there any other opportunities for travelling people or for let's say working class people yeah. to do similar things yes. for stuff because I'm I'm uh, I'm involved with you up in uh, St. Margaret's Park you know well it's back to the one thing that it's about speaking up isn't it it's about speaking up so I'm thinking is there any other things that it's time for us to speak up about uh, in, in, in what sense well you didn't even know that that was a situation to speak up against that's right and yes. maybe there's stuff that's happening to your community to your people yeah. that you're not even aware of yeah but if you're not aware of them then how do you speak up for stuff exactly so probably what we can do in this in these podcasts yes from time to time is explore some of those things like here's one yeah employment here's another one yeah access to hotels for weddings yes that's been a big thing that's been a big thing for a long long time I know. So I know. I know. Um, probably one of the most prominent travelers in the country. I won't mention his name, um, but he online asked a couple of weeks ago. Listen, there's a family wedding happening in our family. Yeah. Is there anybody in Dublin who has a hotel? Please, 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 that could help us. Uh, we want to put on an event. Now I've never, ever, ever heard that. No. From a country person or a settled person. Is he like pleading out like he is? He's just saying, look, uh, we promise, you know, it's going to be very respectful, but yeah. we've went to every hotel within a 20-mile radius and they've all come back to us saying, not a hope. We're booked out. We're booked out. Yeah, that, that, that would be the usual thing. That's interesting, go, isn't it? They're going to say we're booked out. Simple we're, as. We're, we're booked out. We're booked out that day. So they're not Regulars exactly, only, please. So then they're not, they're not exactly being accused of refusing, yeah? It's just simply saying we're booked out, that's it. Well, it's just like having an all-traveller class. They're not exactly saying we don't want you in the school, but yeah. we're booked out. Yeah. All the classes are full. Yeah. I think, um, Dean, don't get me wrong in saying this, I think um, a lot of travellers get absolutely tired of trying to, let's say, establish themselves, if you want. I don't know if that's the right words. Uh, trying to prove uh, prove themselves. Reputation and credibility. Like Yes. They just get tired of it. They, they, they give up on it because it's happening for so long, right? And again, as I said in our last podcast, but there is some great, um, there is some great people in, in, in Ireland. There is some good, uh, 
could settle people and go uh, in the settle community basically, if you like. Yeah, and that's even including people running businesses. There is some good people who have uh, who have a little time for travellers, who have a little bit of respect for travellers, who show a bit of grace and a bit of dignity. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But um, it's not always the case. So as I said, back to the one thing, even if there is a lot of uh, discrimination that has gone on for years and years and years, there also is good people. And just like we were talking about at I'll the start... I'll ask you a question, Dean, will I? What? Go on, when you're finished. Then, just like we were talking about at the start, if you're bet down so much, sometimes it's easier to stay down. That's the opinion that some of them have, yes. Yeah, yeah. And what uh, we might be able to do with exploring... It's in, like walking somewhere and... Again, it's the, I know people are probably sick and tired of listening to, this, to these one sort of things over and over and over. But it's happening over and over. Yeah. About, um, say, getting refused from certain venues or stuff like that there, yeah? It's like you try you try somewhere and they tell you no. And you get to- told no so many times. You don't want to be told no anymore. So to avoid being told no, you don't go down that avenue again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you understand it, what I'm saying? You don't even chance it because you're going, I'm about to be like, rejected. actually even telling you're, you're, rejected and embarrassed here so many times. You're telling yourself and you're also telling your, your, your friends, Yeah. no, lads, don't even go there because no way, we're going to get through out anyway. Yeah. We're going to get, no, we're not going to get through out. We're not even going to get a chance to get in to get through out. <laughs> no, 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 so much. I thought no was my second name. So um, a lot of that happens to a lot of travellers. Yeah, so you can like you can genuinely understand why they can be upset, like, you know what I mean? And for me to sit here and say that doesn't happen, I'd be, um, I'd be what you call, I'd be a hypocrite, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. It does happen, and it happens too often. You said you Straight were going to ask me something there. Um, yeah, I was going to ask you, yeah. Go on. As a countryman, yeah, if you had a pub, yeah, and your business is running smooth and nice and cosy, and four or five traveller lads, or maybe three and four travellers or three or four women with or say three or four couples, yeah. Comes to the door and now generally well, I don't mean generally, but a lot of pubs now have bouncers doing their jobs. So the barman doesn't have to answer for it. Or even the owner. And a couple of travellers came there to the pub, yeah. Would you serve them? I would. You would. But I, do, I haven't had the is experience. Is that because you know travellers? Is it because you've dealt with travellers, you've done, say you've done business? A little bit of that. Also, um, I try and, I try and, uh, you know, treat everyone as, uh, as they come. You know what I mean? As opposed to saying, that's like saying, would you serve black people? If it was no, a, I'm asking if, you, would you serve travellers? Hold on for a second. If there was a black person and he was act, acting like a dope, You'd have to deal with it. If there was a traveller who's acting like a dope, you'd have to deal with it. As a, as a group of people, uh, would I would I serve a group of people or, or choose not to serve a group of people? I'd have to say I'd serve a group of people. But I've never ran a pub. No, I understand that. That's the, that's why I said if. I've, yeah, if if I was if. running a pub, I would say. No, come here. Look, let's go back from to my it. thinking. I would serve. I, if you didn't, I, I would have no tra- problem serving anybody. No. If you didn't know travellers, if you, if you didn't, let's not make well, this question. Well, there's two question. ifs now. If I owned the pub right, and if I, I didn't know travellers. I only ten ifs before I'm finished. Yeah. If, if uh, don't make this question complicated, right? If you didn't know travellers and you owned at a pub, I'd say three, maybe four travellers come to the door of the pub and just say neatly dressed. Do you, they're generally neatly dressed anyway, right? Um, would you say yes or no to them? Uh, to serve them, I'd say yes. You'd say yes? Yeah. Without even knowing them. 
without I'd say yes to anybody without even knowing them. I'm talking about travellers, Dean. Yeah, but what I'm saying is I'd say yes to anybody without even knowing them. You'd say anybody. So you'd any, say yes to travellers. If travelers. any four or five lads turned up. Yeah. So regardless you say, of regardless of them being travellers or anything. So you say yes to them even if you didn't know them, yeah. Yeah. You would. All right, that's good. Would you? Um oh yes, I'd let myself in, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> but so here's another example. I walked up in Fingless uh, with some traveller lads and the first interaction I had with them was very aggressive. Right, go on, yes. It was just very aggressive because I found that these young traveller lads, their default mode was aggression. Right. But do you think do you think sometimes um I'm not saying aggression can be pushed on do you think sometimes this attitude can be pushed upon them. Yeah, and I also think it's a, it's a survival strategy. Uh, it's a, it's a way of surviving in the world. Yeah. They're, as I said before, they're on the back foot jabbing all the time. Right. Because they've been pushed down so much. Yeah, but you know that. Um, do you know when someone says no? Sometimes no can be offensive. You know that. Give me an example of that. Well, I'll tell you something. Right. Just say, for instance, right. I'm I'm giving you. I'm already giving you an example. Yeah. Say a travel lad goes to the door of a pub and he's all excited about getting in there. He wants to get in and have a few drinks and maybe whatever, a game of pool or a game of darts or chat with the lads or whatever, just say. And, of course, only for a night out, yeah, it's more or less chill out time. And all of a sudden he gets told, sorry, you can't come in here. Now, I think he's going to be upset, isn't he? Especially if there's no reason, no other reason, only that he's a traveller. So now we have a nice guy. Believe me, there is some nice guys in the traveller community. Absolutely, you're and one of, of the course the same as uh, same as the, 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 the same as settled community, right? So a nice guy now coming to the door, or three guys even just say, I'm only just saying that as an example, right? They're in great form, and they're not expecting anything else, only just to walk through that door, go in, have a few drinks, sit down, have a chat. Again, if there's a game of darts going, if they want to get involved with that, fine. If they don't, still fine. But they reach the door to the pub, and they've been told. Sorry, lads, you can't come in here. Um, so they're automatically thinking, look at, is this a traveller thing here, right? So now they're getting upset, aren't they? It would it would upset them because there and then, being told no upsets your night. So the chances are, it depends on what kind of uh, way they want to look at it. They could walk away or they could stand there and try and sort of prove their points. In a sense where, why is this happening? Why are we getting turned away? Fight, flight or freeze. So basically, aggression can take place then. Yeah. Do you understand? So now they've been given a sort of a reason to, if especially if they're told, look, they're not regulars. How do you become a regular if you are if you don't get a chance, if you don't get your foot in the door first? You cannot become a regular or make that place a local place. Well, we, all know, we all know the phrase, oh, regulars tonight only. Has has and always will be a bullshit statement. It's it's burnt out. Yeah, it's absolutely burnt Cause I, out. Because I grew up with it. Coming from how Bally do Mon. you get? How do you become a regular somewhere if you don't get that foot in the door? So as soon as you hear uh, regulars only, the way I hear that is, uh, I'm going to tell you whatever bullshit I need to tell you in order for you to realize you're not coming in here. Yes. Tonight. So do you do you go back to that pub the next night or next week? And be told no again, and be and do the same the following week and be told no again. No, eventually. So eventually do you, you have stop to going to those pubs? Do you have to go to that pub ten times in a row, and to be told you have to become a regular? So what makes you a regular? 
Does it make does does being told no after no after no after no? Does that make you a regular? No, it so doesn't. So what's your point? Because we all know that that, my that, point that, is, that phrase. My point is, do I have to show my face every single week at throw that pub, knowing that I'm getting told no to become a regular? Is that what it takes? So you know that that's not the answer. Of course, not the answer. So what is the answer? The answer is let them in and let them become a regular. Try them out, see what they what they become when they're in there. Okay, so regardless give of... Give them a chance, give them the benefit of the doubt. So regardless of who they are, because I've had that experience growing up as... A, Come here, there's a, nine, there's a 90% chance, right, that when there's a, a doorman at that door, or a barman behind that bar, or a boss walking around that pub, there's a 90% chance, without no matter what he says, he can pick a traveller out. Let it be the accent, say the way they talk, or the way the way they act even. So, I, so hold on for a sec. So I'm going to do exactly the same thing. Because when I was like 18, 19, 20 going into pubs in town, mm. you can tell a million miles away that I'm coming from somewhere like Ballymun. Uh, the way I walk, the way I talk, the way I dress, the way my haircut is. Some of them are trained into this. You know what I mean? Yes. So I've got that all my life as well. Yeah. Uh, to the point where I remember being in one place, I think it's pulled down at the moment now, uh, the big tree, and... Um, I was asked to leave because was in town in town Dorchester I was asked to leave because uh, just the way I looked you know what I mean I was yeah. six foot big uh, Ballymun head and me talking like this and I was asked to leave now what I done was I called the manager I got all the bouncers down and we had a discussion going who do you think is Aaron asking me to leave just because you know, you don't like the way I sound or you yeah. don't like the way I look. What have I done? Have I annoyed anyone? Have I broke the law? Have I smashed the place up? Yes. Now, I got away with that. I don't think a traveller would ever get away with that. Sometimes you might if you talk up. Okay. Don't fight. You don't need to fight. Yeah. If you can talk up. I'll give you a small example of that, right? About, say, 10, 12 years ago, uh, one of my kids were getting uh, making first communion, yeah? And my father, now, my father was basically an alcoholic, right? But anyway, aside, besides that. And there was a pub there, it was called the Towers in Ballymont. I know, well. Now, bear in mind, we're 42 years living in Ballymont. Okay? And he liked a pint, so he was in these pubs regular, and I mean regular. He would go from there to the penthouse, back over to the... Every, you know what I mean? He'd switch around, so he was making two... Uh, he had two locals now, hadn't he? If you he, rightly so, he was in his area. So lo and behold, anyway, the, the 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 Towers pub was taken over by another, say, another management, if you want, under new under new management. Yeah, and he reorganised the bouncers, the bar staff, all. I, he tidied the place up very well. Okay, if you want to put it that way. Mm-hmm. So anyway, my father used to be there was one seat he'd always sit on. God rest him. He's four and a half years dead now. But anyway, this particular time, uh, he was in the pub. And a couple of the lads comes in, didn't they? So what to do? They sat down beside him. He didn't mind. But at the end of the night, there was one or two of them had a little bit too much to drink. And they knocked a glass off the table. There was no argument or fighting now. So of course, the bouncer came around and, you know, it's okay, lads, he says. He just, he just lifted the glass. So he sent over one of the bar stiff then just to dry up the the floor, basically, if the you scale, like. Yeah. Yes. So that was, that was that. That was it. There was nothing more about that then, right? The next day, they sent up the, 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 say, the boss, the owner of the pub, he sent up word to to the, the site, basically, where we live. He sent word up that, um, tell the lads that they're barred. So my father was basically 
let's say he understood that he was barred also. He shouldn't have understood this. He shouldn't have took this because he was never barred from a pub in his life, right? And anyway, um, so he decided, look, I'm not going to go down there because I'm going to be told no. So what he done was he stuck on to the, the penthouse mm-hmm. and said the Kappa house. Yeah. No, what I mean, he was always going to the penthouse in between all this as well. You went to the Kappa but house as well. At this particular time, the penthouse got shut down, right? So now he used to go for a drink over to the Kappa house. Um, so this was going on for about about six or seven weeks, to be honest about and uh, this so this day on the day of the commune anyway, I said to him, I said, Do you wanna go for do you wanna go for a drink? He said, There's nowhere to go. I said, We'll go down to the towers. He said, I'm barred out of the towers. I said, You're not barred out of the towers. But I am, he said, I said, You're not. So why how could you be barred out of the towers when you've done nothing wrong in it? Yeah. But he said they they sent up word he said for no more travellers to come down there. I said, oh, that that was the word. No more travellers. No more travellers. Not just like no the travellers from Ballymun travellers. Yeah. Tra- yeah, there was a group of travellers. That's what it was. Probably there could be eight or nine lads all together. So that's like if I went in and spilled the point. Now, bear say in mind, no more he was, people. Bear in mind, he was doing his own thing. Yeah, and they came over and sat down beside him, but he didn't have a problem with that. He, he was drinking his own pint, and that was it. Like, and they were doing the, you know, man. Um, that was okay anyway. So he went down anyway, but as it was to be, the bar, the new management that took over the pub, yeah. I actually knew him, and I'll tell you how I got to know him, didn't I? Go on. When we go on to Lourdes back in 19, sorry, 2009, so we were going to um, over to Lourdes to France, yeah? Yeah. So we went by boat. We were actually driving, basically. We drove campers now. But anyway, uh, on the boat, there was this Irish family. You're 19 hours on this boat to France. So you're getting to know people. So it's like, <laughs> you, you get... You start making chat like, you know what I mean? So this particular person, this lad, this man, got uh, got chatting and bumped into, him, bumped into him then two or three times on the boat, you know what I mean? And chatting and wanting, his, his family was with him, but of course he got off the boat the far side and he done his thing and we were down our way. So as it was to be, we ended up bumping into, into each other again in Lords. We were there like for whatever, a week or so. And of course, just the odd little brief chat again, okay? So you might say we got to know each other a little bit, if you know what I mean? Yeah. In that sense. You were a bit more familiar with him. Yeah, the best way of saying it, yeah. So he was going from there then he was going on another, to another part of France and we were going to a different part of France. So as it was to be then anyway, about, oh, it could be three to four months, could be more. Afterwards, wasn't I just pulling into the car park in, in, in Ballymon, Yeah. And there was this man leaning across the fence, just leaning across, having a cigarette, like, outside the towers, the pub, the towers. Yeah. So um, I approached him. I said, how was things? Oh, how was it going? He said. I said, what brings you over this side of town? I said, yeah. He said, I'm taking the management of this pub, he said. So that's how I got to know him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now, back to the story where my father was supposed to be barred. I went down anyway, and I... um. I called for the boss, didn't I? So at the same time, I called two two drinks, and he comes out. He said, "Lads," he said, "He's barred." He said, "It's a dear to my father, right?" So I said, "He's not barred." He is barred. He said, "I said he's not barred," but we knew, we had this kind of rough words. Back and forward, yeah. Yes, I said, "Tell me what he's barred for." Well, it was a bit of an incident here here a few weeks ago. He said, which was could have been six or seven weeks, whatever. I don't know. I said, yeah, what was the incident? He said, he was sitting over there, he said, and there was some lads drinking with him, he said. And there was a bit of commotion, he said, and some glasses were spilt and all this stuff. 
Well, I said, you got to, I said, yeah, obviously you got the story wrong, I said. At last did fall off the table, I said. The floor got wet. I said, the bouncers came over and everything was okay. And I said, the bar, the, he sent one of the bar staff over to clean it up. But I said, anyway, I said, um, I said, more than that, I said, I said, he's 30 years coming to this pub. And I said, he's never been barred once. And I said, he's certainly not getting barred now, I said, right? So now I was laying down the road, so didn't I? I said, the other thing about it is, I said, I said, he was sitting where he always sits. And I said, a group of lads come in. I said, he knows the lads. I said, he knows who they are. They're friends and relatives, I said. But I said, that wasn't his business. Mm-hmm. I said, they, they, they sat down beside him, I said. I said, did you want him to get off his seat and tell them to get out of your pub? I said, what are you paying your bounces for? I said, I'm not saying he should throw anybody out, I said. Or move his seat to somewhere else because they or came in. move, yeah. I said, he sits there all the time. I said, they sat down beside him, chatting, having a chat and a drink. I said, they were doing no harm. I said, he was doing no harm. But I said, your bar staff obviously told you lies. And I said, another thing as well, I said, if you're paying their bouncers to do a job, I said, why are, why are they not doing it right? I said, he's not your bouncer and he won't be doing your your your, uh, your job for you, I said, as a bouncer. Now I said, two points. He put his hand out and shook hands with both of us. He said, I'm really, really sorry. He said, I apologise, he said. He said, I did hear uh, a different story. So he said, them two drinks from the house. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And we sat down anyway and we're having a chat with myself and my father got rest of And next when um, he comes down again, same, the boss again, with two more pints, and put them down in front of us, sat down beside us, and next to the girl or some of the staff brought down a drink, say, glass of lemonade or something to him. And he was chatting us for about an hour. Very good. Honestly, it's the truth. Because he heard the right side of the story, basically. So he wasn't the one that was using the, the, let's say, the discriminative act. If you understand, he was only going by he what he heard from his bar staff. Yeah, but somebody made the decision to bar all travellers, did they? Yeah, because he was told that they were all, he was obviously told lies. He was told that all the, the boys at this table yeah. were causing mischief or disturbances. Do you understand? But what the sense I get from you is that all the travellers on, on in but, St. Margaret's... Yeah, but the thing about it is all the travellers in St. Margaret's weren't drinking in this pub. Yeah, yeah, but the message that went back up is all the travellers yeah, are barred. Yeah, tra- tell them they're all barred. That's what, that's what it was. Tell them they're all barred. So where did that decision come from? Uh, well, obviously it came from the boss himself. Yeah. But the thing about it is he was told... Like, obviously he has to trust his bar staff. Yeah, 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 okay, so I get it. So there was a group of lads came over to your dad. There was a bit of a whatever. There was your, no, yeah, your dad but, wasn't involved. Those lads were involved. But then still, he made one the of decision. Them, one of them was involved. He knocked the glass off so, the table by mistake. But he still made the decision. All travellers. Well, as far as he was concerned, whoever was at the table, that the, the eight or nine fellows was at that, at that table. Yeah, but they didn't represent all travellers in Ballymoon. No, absolutely not. So it was, mean, No matter uh, what way you shave it, yeah. they, them nine lads... Didn't still didn't represent all the travellers in Ballymore. No, absolutely not. But he made that decision. Yeah. And but what you're saying is he was humble and respectful enough when he was approached and challenged. And told the right story. And told the right story to go. If you want to tar yeah. people all with the same brush, yeah. we'll play that game. Yes. And I think that that's that's the game that we're looking to explore and expose and talk about. Because if we do that in this country. We can let's let's do it for all types of groups. Let's but, do yeah. it for black people. Let's do but it for that, disabled that people. That little story that was I was telling you, 
yeah, there was a part of what you're saying there, a bit of a discrimination act, but also there was a lot of misunderstanding in it. Do you understand what I'm well, saying? Uh, here's an example. Now, the chances are he might five, have... Five disabled people go into a pub and they sit down beside another disabled person and yeah. one of them knocks over a glass. Do they all get... There's every disabled person in Ballymun then get barred no. from a pub. No, never. They, no, they it's don't. never going to happen. So it's hard to say who made that decision. Yeah, it sounds it, like it came from him. Um, it's possible. It could have come from the bar staff. Well, the bar staff aren't making decisions about barring all of one type of people. They're bar staff. They're, they're, they're young boys and girls or, or they're older men, but they're not bosses. No, they're not bosses, but sometimes they have a little bit of a say. Uh, it's like the bouncers at the doors, yeah? They'll approach a bar, a bar member and ask, are you going to serve such a person or such a people? And if the, the bar staff person say, says, no, we're not, then the bouncers will take their instructions and say we're not getting served. So that's, yeah, but that's for an individual. A lot of that happens. It's not for a culture or a group or a type um, of person. Not really, no. You know, that's like no. saying... A four foot nothing fella spilled over a point there. Anybody below four foot nothing You're not is not anymore. getting in. Yeah, I know it's a lot of nonsense, absolutely a lot of nonsense. But as I said earlier on, sometimes it can be down to a lot of misunderstandings also. Being told whatever. I know what you're saying, yeah, you shouldn't bar everybody. I understand that part. But it's also too easy to, as you say, I'm guessing bar that, everyone with the same brush. Yeah, but I'm guessing at the time that the chances are he what he meant was, look at... Everybody at that table is barred. Simple as. Yeah. It shouldn't still have been the case. It should not have been the case. But on the other hand, he was obviously told lies. So I know a friend of mine used to run a bar in Cork and he was a good mate of mine and he kind of, I said to him, uh, we, the, the topic of travellers came up. This was about 15 years ago. And he was really nice and we had great discussions and I used to go down to him and he'd come up to me and the topic of travellers came up and he said to me, he said to me, um, I said, would you let travellers in to your pub? And he was like, no, wouldn't let them in. And Did he have experiences he, previous? He did, but he just had the general blank of policies, no travellers allowed in any pub that he works in. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I, and for me, that was him saying, this, who would have been the same as him saying, uh, if there's black people or disabled people or gay people or left-handed people, they're not getting in. Yeah. And I... I, for me, it just changed my relationship with him forever. Was he a friend of yours? He was a good friend of mine, yeah. And again, where was he from? From Cork. But it just it changed my relationship. Now, this is not me judging him. It's just me going, um, if anyone I knew was in a position where they were discriminating or tarring everybody from one group with the same brush, I don't think that that's, that's not the way I would do it. Yeah. I, I'm more uh, you know what's your character who are you the individual sort of give them the benefit of the doubt kind of thing not even give them the benefit of the doubt have the same level of Sometimes respect and tolerance to for everybody yeah I understand that yes uh, could it be a case where this guy had previous experience with travellers you didn't ask him that no I think he did but it was just like the general atmosphere in the pubs that he was working in was no travellers yeah this was, you know, it was just, that was the culture. The culture was no travellers. Mm. And it's, today in Ireland, it's exactly the same. It hasn't really moved on too much. I know, uh, they, brought, I know they brought out laws a couple of years ago for travellers' rights and stuff like that. I don't think it made any difference. I don't think it has changed at all. I don't think it's come onto the ground where in, in say, hotels no, it's or on pubs. Pa- or uh, it's on, uh, yeah, that, no, that's right, yeah. It's on paperwork, 
but it's not out there. It's not out on the streets, as the fellow would say. And I know that if me and you went out into... You actually told me this before. Uh, if me and you went out into a pub or a restaurant in New York City, yes, we'd be treated exactly like Equally. every, Equally, every yes. single person. No difference, no exception, yeah. no preferential treatment. That's right. We'd be just like, you're a customer, come on in here and spend your money. That's right. Now again, there is some uh, there is some good people in Ireland. We're talking about Ireland discrimination. There is some good people in Ireland. There's no mistake about it. In the settling communities, people that even people that have run businesses. Yeah, yes. but just like that, that the headmaster. Sometimes people are just doing things because that's the way it's always been. Yeah. And what we're what we're exploring here is is there opportunities for us to show some of those ways or approaches up for the for how stupid they are. That's right. And if we can do that for one or two things, I think we're doing a good job. Well, sure, that's it now, isn't it? That's us now. That's uh, episode four. I really enjoyed that one. It was nice. Yeah, sometimes our conversation flows and it gets good. Yeah, get a bit more comfortable. Interesting. We just don't want to be bad-mouthing everybody, do we? <laughs> no, we won't turn back off anybody. Anyway, touch on. See you later. Well, the best luck. Take care. Bye. One love. So that's us for this episode, a traveller and a countryman podcast. If you like it, let us know, share it around, and uh, we'll see you on the road.